0: you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme uh, for this Saturday the 22nd of May. Good morning, Porrick. Good
1: morning, Deirdre, and good morning to our listeners. Yeah, What a beautiful morning it is out there.
0: And somebody had sent in earlier a lovely photograph from Newport, um, and they were up and about early, and I know the forecast is mixed middling, to say the least, but uh, the earlier part of the morning today definitely is really
1: lovely. So, And and more importantly, from, uh, I was looking at the long range forecast um, last night, and we have the jet stream uh, which is which is over Ireland. It's kind of pulling in the the, the colder weather at the moment. But that's going to move northwards, which means it pulls in the southerly breezes and the warmer temperatures. So you can expect some lovely high pressure and warm temperatures, and more importantly, growth uh, from Tuesday right through. And generally, when we get that um, influence of the jet stream mm. moving north, it it tends to settle, and you tend to get a longer. Period of high pressure, which means warmer temperatures, sunny days, no rain.
0: No, oh, no rain. <laughs> Fantastic! I tell you. But,
1: but look at it, the the the, rain, the drop of rain that we did get. If people took our advice last weekend and fed their shrubs and fed their lawns, that rain will have washed that in, and plants will be in such a great uh, condition and and. Um, Situation after that feeding to make great use of the temperatures that are going to come. So, for example, I this week I fed my own lawns. Again, knowing that the rain was coming on, on Thursday, I fed them on Wednesday and that got a good washing in. So uh, the lawns are going to green up lovely now and, um, you know, the, the lawn feeds are designed anyway not to force growth. It'll green it up. But for trees and shrubs, and if listeners haven't fed their garden trees, shrubs, uh plants in general or indeed their lawns, do it today if you can, because we will have a little bit more rain tomorrow and then we're into that warmer temperature for next it, week. So yeah. it's it's absolutely perfect. The temperatures are also going to be really suitable for the sowing of seeds. Um and uh, I, I sowed some Godisha and some English marigolds actually this last Saturday and already they're beginning to peep with the temperatures we had this week. So it's ideal. And was that from seeds? From seeds. Yeah, from a little packet of seed, um sold a couple of packs. But Saturday last Saturday or Sunday, I was only looking at them yesterday and they're just Literally beginning to sprout, you can see the the uh, little green shoots just appearing above the compost. So within six or seven days, the seeds germinate. Now I have I had them in the tunnel, uh, which is very ventilated, so that it's, uh, there's very little artificial heat in the tunnel, but it just kept them kept the heavy rain off them. Uh, but that just shows you how quickly. And people will see it in their gardens. The the weeds are germinating at a rapid rate at the moment. Um, so it's a great great weather for the sowing of seed out of doors. So if you're interested in growing kind of your your vegetables or or herbs from seed mm. or indeed flowering plants. This is the time of year where we plant, where we sow the seed for next spring. So wallflowers, sweet william, godesia, the English marigolds that, that I sowed myself. Um, all the perennial plants like lupins, foxgloves, delphiniums, they are sown from seed at this time of year. Uh, the temperatures are absolutely perfect. A little tip, when you're sowing them in pots or trays, have the compost moist but not too wet. Sow the seed, a little bit, sieve over a little bit of compost and then put some cling film on the top of the trays, So that's what I did. And it saves you having to wash them or go near them until such time as they germinate. And simply put them on a windowsill, in your porch, in your conservatory, or on your, you know, somewhere kind of bright, um, and warm and indeed many of those plants you can sow directly out into the garden soil and they'll germinate really well so it's really good time of year for sowing seeds of plants we generally don't associate it with this time of year people tend to forget but the temperatures are absolutely perfect same applies to lawn seed if listeners are repairing uh, little patches mm. of the lawn or sowing new lawns for the first time, then this with this dry weather coming and the temperatures, it will be absolutely perfect for putting in a lawn. And if you sow a lawn in May, you'll have a superb lawn by August or September. Be, you'll be cutting it several times at that stage. So the sowing of seeds, the planting of plants um, and even just the, the regular stuff of putting out some vegetable plants and salad leaves, the growth, the growth is going to be very, very strong. Do keep an eye out for the slugs and snails because... They are around, so I brought you in some organic uh, slug good. control and look for that in your local garden centre. Um, we sold out of the nematodes last week after we? last week's programme, we did. But they'll be in again next week and there is uh, a particular slug and snail treatment for that as well. But in the meantime, if you want, you can use the yeah, organic okay. pellets, they're very safe for children and pets. So do keep an eye out on the slugs and snails. They'll be quite active at the moment and they can be quite destructive on uh, plants in general. Again, the, the potting up of hanging baskets, window box, that should continue. And we're nearly at the stage, by next weekend, we'll be at the stage where we can safely start putting plants in we'll, yeah, we'll have
0: the green lights for gardening.
1: Them. We will indeed. <laughs> um, and uh, so, I, you know, I, I actually did up a, a, um, a range of hanging baskets for Turlock Tidy Towns or the Turlock Village. And, uh, next of course,
0: tidy towns is going ahead this year. I think it is indeed, yeah, and yeah. it's going to
1: be judged uh, virtually this year. So, uh, tidy towns committees get back yeah, out there. Yeah, um, But we we planted them up several weeks ago, and they're they're absolutely just ready now to go out. So. Uh, Tommy Lawless and the team will be hanging them up next Saturday and Sunday and so for me uh, that weekend the June bank or it's not the June bank holiday weekend but it be, will be the first um, we we'll coming close to June it'll be safe to put your plants out so they're the type of things that people can and should be doing remember it's still plenty of time for planting tomato plants again in pots and containers herbs this is the time of year again there's a great selection of herbs available at the moment I brought you in some mint for the mojitos later on Excellent. This summer. Oh, right. uh, but also <laughs> So, oregano and and marjoram and all the herbs are available. Chives and again, if you plant them now, they grow so quickly in a window box or container. It's a great time for planting herbs, both from seed, but also the plants are available in garden centres at the moment. That's so brilliant. So, really yeah. good kind of planting weather, sowing of seeds, all of that, those sort of activities. Keep an eye on the weeds as well because they are actively growing and um, get out the garden hoe and and deal and, keep
0: and, de- on top and of deal with them.
1: them. And deal with them. Mayor's Tale, we had a lot of questions in on Mayor's Tale. Yeah,
0: and I see some more in this yeah, morning, and, yeah, and so
1: now is the time to treat it. I mean, you have to use... Uh, something like dicofar is very effective in controlling mare's tail as long as you keep it off the foliage of other plants um, but that should be treated now as well so just keep an eye on kind of keep the garden tidy you will see the grass growth will start to accelerate now so again once you can get back out on the lawn after a couple of dry days keep it trimmed and keep it neat
0: I know yeah because it has been I suppose a little bit of a challenge to get those jobs done it yeah. well, growth uh, has
1: been just so slow yeah. dear, it's been really really and slow and
0: then when any day you know that's you have the sort of the gap of the dry bit of weather, uh, it's its limited. So. It is, yeah. it is. But yeah. we
1: will definitely see a, 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 a surge of growth in the next 10 days, will you see?
0: Okay, great stuff. Yeah. We'll be looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah,
1: we sure will. Yeah. We sure will.
0: Yeah. Okay, Uh so lots there. Yeah. Yep, sorry.
1: Just to, just to mention as well, in Turlock, people have been asking us about the Edinburgh Woolham mills. They have reopened as part of Level 5. So uh, if people want to nip down the... The Bailey for restaurants still remains closed until um, July.
0: Have we dates on that yet? I don't know. No, I know. think, it's, yeah. I
1: think it's, it's later on in July, yeah. anyway, before yeah. they'll be. I think open. the end
0: of this week they're going to announce all that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but the Mills is is back open again.
0: Okay, great. That's just such a sense that things are slowly coming back coming. Is, yeah, yeah, Summer is coming Yeah, summer is, is coming I really definitely. do have a sense of that this morning uh, right across uh, the programmes Right, we have some magnolia leaves I do believe this is from Teresa A couple of pictures in of magnolia leaves and uh, quite a few holes and well dam- bit of damage on them as you can see there poric. Yeah. Um and wondering what might be eating them and is it possible to treat this particular uh, yeah, tree Yeah, you can,
1: you can certainly treat them and, and plants will be showing I mean the bugs are beginning to to come out as, as as much as anything else. So you'll have um, capsid bugs and, and various aphids that will be attacking the new growth on plants at the moment. Uh, there's a small bit of damage on them. They're not overly damaged. I mean, if you could live with it, I would just leave alone. I mean, magnolias are, are generally relatively strong growing, a little bit of feed um, and the new young growth will be perfectly fine. If they're heavily infestated, then something like bug clear can be used again on a dry day and that'll eliminate any any uh, pests on the new growth magnolias and plants in general cherry trees at this time of year are susceptible to capsid bugs aphids um you know and, and particularly on the young growth okay. so if, if they're heavy and they're badly damaged there's only a small bit of damage on some of the leaves i wouldn't be overly worried yeah maybe about. 30, not,
0: thir- bit of 30, not even 20
1: percent. not damage. even yeah yeah, no, I, yeah i'd say 15 percent of the leaf is damaged there so i would live with that to be honest in the garden You have to let the bugs live as well have an odd munch.
0: They serve their purpose. They do indeed, yeah. Now, the leaves on my tomato plants are brown and yellow, says John. They appear to be growing and a few flowers appearing on some of them. They don't look as healthy as last year's. So I'm just wondering, what is causing this? I water them every evening.
1: John, you're... (laughs) (laughs) You've answered the question yourself. You're just over-watering them. That's way, way too heavy. Um, Tomato plants in my tunnel get a a watering at most once a week at the moment. Um, So keep them... You Know ease back in the watering, John. That's causing the problem. Overwatering will cause yellowing, browning of the foliage, and the plants will look sickly. So, ease back in the watering. If anything, ebb on the side of have them slightly underwater. Remember, tomato plants in general are only about 8 in inches, kind of two foot maximum at the moment. So, they're not really using copious amounts of water, and particularly the temperatures just haven't been there. So, ease back he's back in the watering as simple as as that and and they'll be perfectly fine. As we get into the summer, naturally enough, as the plants get bigger and they start to flower, plants that, once they come into flower and start to fruit, definitely use more water. So watering will increase, but not just at the moment.
0: Okay, great. Uh, now, growing strawberry plants in pots in the polytunnel. Yes or no? Is yes. it a good idea? Well, do
1: both. Do both. I mean, the, the idea of the tunnel is that you're bringing the plants on earlier. I mean, I think last week we had a we had a listener that actually was picking their first strawberry, if memory serves me right, um, because they were growing them inside in a greenhouse or tunnel. So that's what the tunnel effectively does. It, it creates a, a microclimate that brings the plants on earlier. So I would do both. When they're in flower, keep the tunnel very ven- well ventilated because you need the bees or the uh, hoverflies to come in and pollinate the flowers. Otherwise, you get square, square fruit, square strawberries. Um, but apart from that, so plant some inside, plant some outside, and then you'll have a long uh, season of growth. This is the time as well for planting strawberries. So if listeners want to plant a few strawberries for the summer, um, this is the time. And there's a very good variety called Merlin. Merlin F1 which produces lovely pink flowers so it's very attractive normal strawberry plants have white flowers but Merlin has a, a pink flower and it's a repeat fruiting variety so it tends to fruit for a very long period over the summer. So look for that variety Merlin. There's lots of different varieties of strawberries but that's particularly, it's called Merlin F1 and generally when you see the donation F1 behind a particular variety it tends to be of a very high quality or there's something unique about it. So for example, uh, Parsnup Gladiator F1 is a particularly good variety of parsnip that I generally recommend and for strawberries that Merlin F1 is a particularly good one. Sure. So you'll get that. It's a bit like
0: first class. It's first class. <laughs>
1: exactly, I like that. I like that. Exactly, perfect.
0: Um, sorry, Top I, shelf. I, but you mentioned there, and um, mm. I'm just going to backtrack because some people may be familiar with this, and some may not. Um, about the square strawberries. Yes. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well,
1: that's what happens basically if strawberries aren't, if they're not pollinated properly, as in if they're, if they're not insect pollinated or they're, they're just wind pollinated, then what you get... So so normally what I said this last week that Keeling's Fruit Farm will bring in the bumblebees mm. and, and the bumblebees are fantastic for pollinating strawberry flowers because they'll actually go around the whole flower pollinating the, the, the little fruitlet or the little... Um, passing the pollen onto the the flower itself and you then tend to get a perfect shaped heart shaped strawberry but often when you get strawberries particularly if you buy strawberries early in the year in January and February where they're obviously grown in greenhouses and tunnels you'll often get this kind of squarish or rectangular shaped odd shaped strawberry, yeah. that's one that has been pollinated simply by the wind or by tapping the plant. The insects haven't been, haven't got in there mm-hmm. and done the business.
0: Okay, so you So, pretty-
1: always ventilate, open up the, have your greenhouse open. And I, I normally leave the greenhouse open at this time of year, completely, unless it's windy, very windy weather. So, because what you don't want is a, a really clammy, if I walk into the green, the tunnel and my f- glasses fog up, that's a sign that there's too much ventilator, there's too much humidity. Yeah. So, open up the, have the doors open, have the windows open at this time of year. Yes, in in windy weather, close it down so it's not getting damaged. But apart from that, leave the doors and windows open all night. Oh, 12, 24 hours because you let the bees in but also you keep the humidity down. down. So really the purpose of the greenhouse is to keep the heavy wind and rain and cold temperatures off the plants. But you want to kind of mimic as much as possible the outdoor temperatures. You don't want them, the plants sweating. Okay. If it's like a sauna... It's not, it's not a hot house. Exactly. And if it's like a sauna, the plants will, will get elongated. Uh, you tend to attract a lot more pests and diseases. Um, so you get a lot of vegetative growth at the... At this, at the uh, for, which forsakes the flowers. So, so cooler temperatures, better flowers, more compact plants, healthier plants and so on great. So don't have them sweating.
0: Very interesting and how to avoid square strawberries.
1: Yeah exactly.
0: Now I planted Mm. lupin seeds in pots a few weeks ago, they are now sprouting little leaves, should I plant them in the ground soon and will they flower this year? Well
1: if they're only small at the moment I would let them grow on in the seed tray maybe for another two weeks um, and then transplant them into small pots and grow them on in a sheltered spot out of doors, south facing or west facing, so nice and sunny, sheltered from the wind and let them grow on. The chance of them flowering Flowering this year is 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 unlikely. Then you might get a small bit of flowering in, in autumn, but generally speaking, um lupin seed that's sown this year flowers the following year. Now they will be super plants by this time next, by next May, late May or early June. They will be absolutely terrific. So my advice really is just to move them, give them a week or two in the in the trays, let them grow on, and then transplant them into smaller pots. Do watch the slugs. With uh, lupins, so be careful. And generally, if you ask in your local garden centre, they often have spare trays you know, the trays mm. that plants come in. Come in, yeah. Yeah, so we're always looking for ways to get rid of those. So people should ask in the local garden centre because the trays make fantastic. You know, you can simply put the pots into it, or indeed you can fill the trays with compost and put the plants into the trays as so well they're just kind of the right size it's the perfect side and a great way to recycle them so if you're in our Turlock Centre or any of our centres just ask the team for some spare trays uh, um,
0: and in the, with regards to those lupins so those lupins uh, will come on a bit this year they'll and grow then, really strong yeah, this year yeah. die back in and they come on e- every year every there, year after that
1: it? yeah and that's the point I was making earlier this, this is the time of year for sowing all of those perennial plants lupins, tilfiniums, foxgloves all your favourite uh, plants because they germinate so easily at this time of year
0: Okay, we're moving on to a photograph and we're told (coughs) this is a calla lily. It's inside. Some of the leaves are yellow. It's been repotted and uh, the listener is wondering, should they plant it outside?
1: No, don't put it outside. This is actually one of the indoor, um, one of the indoor lilies, so it should be kept inside. It's actually in a a very good location. You can see quite clearly that the listener has moved it onto a bigger pot. Um, The pot is probably a little bit big for the size of the plant and hence a bit like John's tomatoes. if If you're, Watering too much, you t- you will tend to get a bit of yellowing. Overall, the plant is actually very very healthy. It's in great condition. Any of the yellow leaves, I would just snip those off with a sharp scissors. Hold back on the watering a little bit. And um, watering it about once a fortnight would be sufficient on that windowsill, and particularly with the size of the pot. And again, give it a liquid feed every fortnight as well. A little bit of Baby Bio mm. um, or Bloomy Magic or one of those will just keep it green. But overall, the plant is in great great condition. It's
0: really lovely. And so, are there colour lilies for inside and outside?
1: There are indeed. Yeah, there are two different types. Yeah. Yeah, okay. There are indeed.
0: Okay. I always thought they were outdoor ones. There you go. Um right, let's move along. So and uh, that's the Calla Lily. So, how do we treat potatoes for blight? Is that an issue at the moment? Warren? Well,
1: there hasn't been a blight warning um, issued just yet. But having said that, you know, the, when you get the kind of moist weather and, and particularly warmer temperatures that we're going to experience next week, it would be no harm to start treating uh, potatoes early. I mean, prevention is always better than trying to cure the problem. Mm. Um, you will get. Uh, potato blight sprays available in your local garden centre. So just ask and and you can start really, once the plants are about 18 inches, two feet high, it's no harm to start uh, treating them and preventing the problem from occurring. So yeah, next week, if, uh, if, if the leaves are above the ground, I would start treating them maybe next Wednesday, Thursday onwards as the temperatures start to warm up. Now, if you get into a period of a really dry weather, then they're perfectly fine. There's no need to spray. But when you get that mixture of heat and moisture, that humidity, definitely can be a problem.
0: Okay, Judy has sent us in a photograph of uh, a shrub in a pot. Uh, Judy doesn't know the name of it, so is wondering... Would you be able so to
1: this enlighten, a, I think? I yeah. So this is a Macrocarpa gold crest. It's it's a golden conifer. I'd say when Judy bought this plant, it was lovely and a bright yellow. Um looking at the picture, it looks like it has dried out at some stage. Um, the leaves have have lo- certainly lost their colour and I think it's going to go it's it's not gone brown yet, but I think that's it's on its way. She's to go wondering,
0: brown. should she cut
1: it back? No, Now that cutting back isn't going to um going to improve the the situation. To be honest, I would just leave it as it is. It's obviously been repotted into a big square uh, planter. Leave it alone at the moment. Um, just leave it outside. See what's going to happen. But my guess is give it two or three weeks it's going to go quite brown and it won't come back really from that. Okay. So, uh- so Once they get dry, once they get really dry and and that happens with conifers. The damage can occur a month ago and you're really only seeing the symptoms of it now. So, so, by often s-
0: so by the time you do see the symptoms, it's too late. It,
1: it is, yeah. and and okay. y- there's the top of the plant is still healthy. It's still uh, slightly golden, uh, but the rest of the plant is is off color. So look, leave it alone at the moment. Um, just leave it outside and see what happens. See what happens. Yeah, okay. No point trimming it or feeding it or doing anything with it.
0: Okay, we'll keep the fingers crossed for yeah. you, Judy. Yeah. She's also <laughs> wondering, uh, can you use the slug and snail treatment on hostas?
1: Oh, you can. You can use the organic uh, pellets. Now, the other treatment that works really well on hostas for slugs is actually garlic wonder. It's actually used by the, I got that tip from one of the best hosta, hosta growers in the UK who grows these hostas for the Chelsea Flower Show. And he uses garlic wonder, uh, which is basically a garlic concentrate. You mix it in water, you apply it to the foliage of the garlic, and the slugs hate the taste of garlic. So that can be used a very organic, safe way. Um, it doesn't damage the slugs. Just the physical taste of the of the garlic wonder on the leaf. The slugs won't go near it, and and stay away from it. They'll move on to something else. Or you can use the organic slug treatment. Either either or. or but slug, slugs absolutely love. hostess. Hostess. They do, they do. Uh,
0: Mm. Now, we've got some photographs in from Peter and Amy who are in Belfast. Oh, lovely. They recently bought a house and they have this bush in their front garden. Mm -hmm. They've noticed one day that the tips of the leaves are all black and if someone went over it, as if someone went over it with a flamethrower, great great, description, description. uh, would it be possible for you to assist them to rectify this? Certainly,
1: certainly. So all, all the, so the plant, first of all, is variegated grislinia. So they've got the green grislinia and the, oh no, that's It's variegated as well, yes. So there's two photographs here. So you can see how it's all on the tips that are burnt that's the top of it they're scorched Um, so this is a hedge of variegated gracilinia and there's nothing to worry about uh, for Peter and Amy here this is simply frost damage that occurred probably a month ago now or three weeks ago remember the really cold weather we had we've talked about this on the show so all you need to do Peter is to get out with the hedge clippers give it a really light trim back take off all those brown bits give it a feed and within three four weeks it'll be absolutely beautiful again and that tends to happen on gracilinia particularly when we get a late spring a late frost you get the flush of new growth and then the frost just licks the new growth like a flame thrower thrower, like just burning the tops so there's nothing to worry about a light trimming a bit of a feed and it'll be perfectly happy
0: Okay, we have a couple of more photographs here. Uh, so this is, we're told, a lace, lace cap hydrangea. Cap, yeah. uh, it's in existence for over 40 years and for the first time it has failed. And is there anything they can do to bring it back to well, life? Yeah,
1: no, it's, it hasn't failed. I mean, there's still, I love the way it's tied up with the the it. So it's a very nice job. So it's a really good, uh, strong, sturdy plant. And look at, hydrangeas are suffering this year. A bit back to Peter's and Amy's problem, the hydrangeas again got damaged with the frost. I've seeing my own hydrangeas, they're they're, they're struggling to come back into leaf again. Um, So look, all hydrangeas, particularly if they're exposed to cold weather this year, are uh, just coming back into leaf. So all it needs is really a good feed. And um, with this warm temperatures coming on, it'll come back into full growth again. It'll be perfectly fine. It may not flower this year for you, but um, good feeding. And- but hydrangeas are struggling this year that's that's just it's just the temperature. Just the way the it is. is. Just the cold spring we've had. Um, but oh, so they'll,
0: they'll bounce back. They'll, they'll bounce, bounce
1: back. back. They'll be perfectly fine.
0: Now, we've got an indoor plant, I think, Lovely. here this time. It's a Dracaena, pork. yeah. Okay, it's a what?
1: It's a plant called Dracaena. Dracaena. Dracaena marginata. It's um, a nice, easy to grow indoor plant.
0: So uh, we've been asked to show you the photograph. Yeah. Uh, there's two of these beside a window. Brilliant. I've given them a feed, but they don't seem to be growing. They're looking burnt at the ends. Is there anything I can do to improve them?
1: Well, Dracaena's generally, like, they Tips: The ends of the shoots often have brown marks, and that's just really down to dry air, particularly if it's a centrally heated house. Mm. Um, you like overall, the plant is absolutely in fantastic it condition. It really good to me. In fairness, it's really good. So, a small bit of, um, just show me the pot again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. overall, yeah, and again, the the pot is relatively large for the size of plant. Um, the compost looks quite moist. and um, so don't overwater. Don't be tempted to overwater. Again, dracenas would want watering, but one. Of fortnight will be sufficient. Make sure that there's drainage in the pot as well, that the water is getting out. But overall, the even the best of Dracaenas will have this brown tipping on the edge of the leaf, and it's really just down to the dry air within the house. There's nothing really you can do. You can miss the foliage occasionally, you know, a little hand mister, Mm. and miss the foliage with tepid water. That will help as well. But overall, the plant is actually in great condition. If you want it, you could just trim off those ends with the scissors and just tidy it up. But apart from that, it'll be perfectly fine. They grow a little bit like a line. You know the outdoor lines. So, right, so they So they tend to... You tend to get... The older leaves tend to go to the bottom of the stem and, and they tend to go brown and you have to take them off. And that, again, is, is totally natural for the plant. So uh, the older leaves, as they fall to the kind of bottom of the stem go a yellowish colour go brown in colour and you just simply take them off and the new growth comes from the surface all the time but overall they're in great condition I'd be very proud of them yeah <laughs> see,
0: I would be very happy <laughs> yeah. if, it was, yeah, if yeah. I was looking at that uh, can we cut back the daffodils now or is it too early it asks Norian in sunny term do this well, look at
1: the, the daffodils will tell you once once they've kind of fallen to the ground they've flattened down and they've gone a bit yellow then certainly you can trim them back it all depends on when they flowered uh, because some daffodils flower in late January early February and some have just gone out of flower so it really depends on how late they flowered so look at my advice is to um, let the plants tell to tell yourself if they're still upright and still green leave them for another week or two if they're falling back and on the ground then rake them up and tidy them up and trim them back
0: okay lovely um, now good morning Uh, So we were looking at this one a little bit earlier, Porek. I have this tree in the garden for over 20 years. It seems to be dying. What would have caused this? Because it was always very healthy and had lovely white flowers on it at the beginning of June. Uh, And this is from Kitty, who enjoys the programme.
1: Yeah, Kitty, we were looking at it earlier and and, um, maybe if Kitty actually could send us in maybe just a closer up photograph. Uh, But it looks to me like lonisera, which is the um, shrub honeysuckle. So it's related to the climbing honeysuckle, except this grows as a shrub and it does bear a white-scented flower. Um, Now, the plant is certainly in, in... There's bits of it, green and there's a lot of it gone brown and and dead um, looking. So I think the best thing would be maybe for Kitty to send us in a a close-up photograph just so that I can identify. It also looks a little bit like like boxwood, but they don't have uh, the flower. They do flower, but the flower is actually quite small and really insignificant. Um, But to me, it looks looks very similar to... um, Lonicera, or honeysuckle um, the the bush form of it maybe a closer up picture and of, of, uh, the,
0: of the foliage and yeah, the Yeah, because if it,
1: is, if it is the honeysuckle you could actually cut some of that dead wood out and, and get it to reshoot again because there there are lots of young growth coming on the plant yeah, it's still alive and it's alive. been
0: there for 20 years it would, has. They, would they have a kind of a, a lifespan?
1: No, well pruning helps to kind of rejuvenate the plant but mm. you should get more than 20 years out of uh, a oh, honeysuckle yeah. <laughs> you and still I haven't got your money's worth of No after 20 years it's
0: disappointing if it's been there for yeah, a long time yeah, absolutely. For not but, be, but there's still not a lot of healthy better.
1: growth on it as well so it'll be interesting to see can she bring it back
0: okay somebody wondering if uh, there is a spray to kill off grass and weeds around the base of trees and hedges which won't do any harm or damage
1: well, look, you have to be careful with, with weed control. I mean, if you can, to hand weed them or, or use a, a garden hoe really is the safest way to do it. Um, having said that, if the hedge is young, what you can do is put uh, cover the hedges themselves with some polythene bags or something to exclude or to hide the foliage and apply something like the Weed Free 360 onto the weeds. So as long as you keep the treatment off the leaf of the hedge it won't damage it even if it, it goes onto the roots or onto the soil it, it becomes inactive when, once it touches that so as long as you can protect the plants with a polythene cover or a cardboard or something that will actually keep the treatment off it you could use the weed free 360 so it's a small area you go out with the garden hoe and just hoe the weeds out or uh, take them off and it is important to make sure that you keep grass and weeds away from the base of hedges, trees, shrubs in general because um, you know they're just competing with the plants. Anytime you feed them you're feeding the weeds and, and you tend to get more issues with disease and, and pests as well. So try to keep them as weed free as possible.
0: Now my Californian mm. lilac and Daphne shrubs oh, haven't flowered for two years. Yeah. They look healthy, lots of green foliage Great. but no flowers, says Tommy.
1: Tommy, nothing really to worry about. Californian lilac, that's Cianota which is a beautiful plant um, and there's many, many different forms of them. And the Daphnies, again, they, they flower, well, it depends on which variety it is, but there's lots of really good Daphnis. My favourite is um, uh, Josephine Postel, a, be- a beautiful plant that flowers in January, February, March sort of period. Um, having said that, both plants tend to do growing for the first couple of years, particularly if the soil is rich, you tend to get lots of kind of leafy growth and healthy growth and they will settle down to flowering. So a little bit of Potassium, a little bit of potash around the base of the plants, Tommy. Now at this time of year, and um, we'll build them up for next winter, next spring, um, for, for both plants. So there's nothing really to worry about. And you find that with plants, they when they get into the ground, they can do two or three or four years of growing, particularly if the soil is rich and fertile. Yeah. Um the, the plants don't feel any need to flower; they're not under any stress. They're going through their teenage years, and they won't come into flower until okay. they put on a bit of bulk.
0: Until they're so, ready.
1: Yeah, but sulphur potash tends to help them settle down and bring them into flowering a little bit earlier.
0: That's brilliant. I have strawberry plants, but there is weeds growing through them. It looks a bit like a strawberry leaf itself. Okay. I've been told not to pull them as they spread. Would you have any idea what this might well, be? Well,
1: strawberry-like leaf weeds are things like oxalis or even um, buttercups have kind of leaves a bit like a strawberry. But to be honest, if any weeds that are in the strawberry patch, you need to remove them, take them out. Um, you're not going to spread them by picking them. So. I would remove, you know, you want to, like, the, 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 when you're growing strawberries, particularly if you're growing them outside, remember that you can grow them in pots and containers. But uh, the, probably the best example I've seen of strawberries growing really well was in the OPW garden in the Phoenix Park, uh, in, at, you know, the Bloom the Garden. And they grow them on ridges, like ridges of potatoes. So they oh, dig so mound them up. Yeah, they mound up the the, the the ridges. And then they use the mypex material. You know that black mypex material um, and they simply pin that down plant the strawberries through them so you've got no weeds you've got uh, clean fruit so when the fruit the, the fruit is sitting on the black material and it attracts the heat so because, because the black, the black it attracts the heat so it really warms up the soil and the strawberries do absolutely fantastic and the strawberries grow big enough to actually hide the MIPEX material by midsummer so you actually don't see the, you know, you're not looking at this oh. kind of gearish. So it's a best, best way and there's a lovely patch of them there and if you're in the in the OPW, in the Phoenix Park, uh, in the Victorian garden, wall garden there, it's worth a visit. It's free to get in. It's run by the OPW. It's always a, anytime I'm in Dublin, I pop in and see the gardeners.
0: And would you have to mound them up or could you just leave them on the
1: flat? Well, you could leave them on the flat if you want, but the mo- mo- Moulding them up, <laughs> putting them in little ridges makes it easier for it, gives better drainage to the plants, and um, you know, and and uh, it's generally, I think, a better way. It really just improves the drainage. Mm. Um, but the, the plants do absolutely, I always admire them every year I'm up there, and they do really, really well. They're like they actually be in full flower now, and the fruit. The, the guys have to take the fruit off them before bloom because people come in eating the strawberries. I oh, well, can't blame them.
0: It's, it, they are a bit, you know, very tempting when they're sitting there on the yeah. plant. So that's anyway. one of
1: the easiest ways because otherwise the strawberries produce runners that can become a bit of a mess themselves mm. in the bed. So this this stops all of that. It stops them re-rooting. It keeps the fruit clean. It attracts the heat. Um, the slugs don't particularly like crossing the mypex material either. So there's lots of really good, good beneficial... Benefits. Yeah, yeah. And you'll only get, you know, four to five years out of a strawberry plant in that situation.
0: Okay, fantastic. Mm. Um, Now, petunia plants are in pots and they're getting eaten by something. I put blue pellets on them, but no good.
1: Well, slugs do relish our, our friends, the uh, the petunias. So there's no harm putting a few a few pellets around the base of them. Um, capsid bug can also, if it's if it's so, if the leaves have been physically eaten, it's slugs mm-hmm. or snails. If it's uh, little pinholes in the leaves, it could be capsid bug, which is a small pest of, that can affect uh, petunias at this time of year. Again, something like the bug clear will get rid of that. Um, having said that, petunias, unless it's an awful lot of damage, they'll tend to outgrow it anyway. So, um, you know, maybe just leave them at at the moment and see, let See let them grow on a bit, yeah
0: let them fend for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Would it be, what would be the friendliest, nicest way to get rid of mare's tail, <laughs> says John, very kind John, popping up all over the place, even the patio.
1: Oh yeah, and the will, that's the trouble with mare's tail, it'll grow up through gravel or ptarmacadam or it'll come up through your patio uh, and so on. Generally where it's in, in beds, shrub beds and borders, what I recommend is planting plants that are taller, that will grow about a metre high, a metre wide. So I'm thinking of plants like um, Hypericum hitco, potentillas, those kind of viburnum tinus eve price, those plants that tend to grow up and spread out and smother the tail. Because marestail will only grow to about two feet, you know, maybe two and a half feet maximum. And where you have taller plants closely planted together, you you suppress the marestail because that's the best way of um, trying to control it is, is competition. Where it's on a patio, you're going to have to use the dicophar. Uh, John, there's no other way. I mean, if you just if you just trim them off or hold them out, they're just going to reshoot again. Um, so yeah, this is the time of year for controlling Tail.
0: And you would you need to give it a couple of applications? You would.
1: Well, yeah. normally one application. If you spray it at this time of year, it'll tend to die back completely. It may re-sprout in the autumn. You can treat it again, but next spring you need to be on top of it. It's going to take a couple of seasons to get rid of it.
0: Now, can you tell listeners, please, if rhododendrons are poisonous to animals?
1: They are indeed, rhododendrons. If, if they eat a lot of the foliage, um, rhododendrons can be poisonous uh, to, to grazing animals. Uh, so, you know, you should keep them, remove them if they're, if they're you know, in any kind of uh, grassland area or fence them off.
0: Can you mention a good feed for lawns, shrubs, flowers,
1: roses, (laughs) etc? Something that does everything. A bit of everything, Well, look, you're better selecting for lawns what you really want is a slow-release fertiliser. So something like the Zero Lawn Feed or Osmo Lawn Feeds, they're designed to release the nutrition very, very slowly because you want the greening effect but you don't want the growth. Otherwise, you're going to break your heart keeping the lawn trimmed. So a proprietary lawn fertiliser like Zero Lawn Feed will feed your lawn for up to three months. So it greens it uh, feeds it but it doesn't make it jump for your trees and shrubs you want obviously the plants to be growing reasonably well so um, if they're flowering shrubs a good a good um, good fertiliser is one called Osmo Pro 6 that will do in general do, do trees, shrubs uh, but particularly for flowering plants like roses you want a high potassium feed so rose fertiliser is really good and that can be used on other flowering plants like Budlias and Hydrangea's and Hypericum's and so on as well so lawn feed for the lawn for a general kind of trees and shrubs use the Osmo Pro 6 and then for roses I would use a proprietary rose fertilizer because you've got the high potassium levels in it.
0: Okay. Somebody's wondering about sourcing pink English lavender. Would Porik have any ideas where one might be able to get you it? You
1: ask in your local garden center. It's a, one, a variety called Rosia. Rosia. So it's got that kind of, um, it's not red, it's, it's kind of a it's a pinky rosia color. Um, so ask for that variety and uh, this is a good time of year for source, sourcing lavenders. Now plants have been scarce up to kind of now and, and nurseries have kind of caught up on the season and uh, there's certainly a lot more more plants available at the moment. So pop into your local garden centre and, and they should be able to source it for you.
0: Super. Uh, what's the difference between Renovator Pro and 3-in-1 asks, Kate?
1: Well, from rem- from memory, now I, I, I need to kind of check this again, but um, Renovator is a, is a good proprietary lawn fertiliser. Right. I'm not sure does it have a weed control in it uh, from memory or not, but the 3-in-1, any of the 3s and 1s are designed to feed the lawn, kill the weeds and kill the moss. That's their, That's you know, their purpose. They, yeah, so they'll have sulphur so, of iron. They'll have a weed control and a fertilizer all mixed into the one mix. Uh, so the one application helps to control all, all three all things. things.
0: Yeah. And uh, now, can I plant out my purple and yellow cannas soon? The tunnel is bursting with plants, and I oh, need space. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, canna lilies are they are frost sensitive. Now, having said that, look, I would be putting them out certainly from next Wednesday. And uh, maybe just hold them in for another night or two. And once we get into that nice warm weather, uh, the cannas once the frost has gone which it, it will be for next from next week on um, you can safely put them out they're a beautiful plant the canna lilies so
0: what's the difference between canna lilies and calla lilies
1: they're two, two. so calla lilies are the outdoor calla lilies are the lovely white lilies you see. or they come in shades of pink and yellow and they're they're hardy out of doors. With
0: big green leaves.
1: Big green leaves. Well, there there are dwarf varieties as well um, that only grow to about, you know, 18 inches, two feet with speckled leaves and pink There's a variety, for example, called Nero that literally only grows um, roughly about 18 inches, two feet in height. Nice and compact. Or you've got the white Aram lily, uh, the Zanditia lily, which grows up to a metre and it's kind of big, big white uh, flowers, which are lovely for cutting, but they're totally hardy out of doors and they can be left out in the winter, whereas the cannas will suffer from frost. Cannas have, again, big leaves and mm-hmm. um, the flowers are different. There's a different shape and, and they come in shades of reds and yellows and kind of the tropical colours. They're, Purple and they're yellow. More, yeah, they're more exotic yeah. than, than our okay. arum lilies. Let's put it that way. Okay. But they do need to be protected in the winter. So you need to keep them in. So you treat them like you would a dahlia,
0: right. a dahlia
1: plant. You take them in in the autumn, you put them back and in the And are they tubers? Spring. They form a tuber, yeah, they'll die back literally to ground level and you cut them back, leave them in the tunnel for the winter and then put them out once in in early summer.
0: I'm thinking of sowing a berberis or white thorn hedge is September or October a suitable time asks John
1: it's a great time of year generally um, October, November John for, for um, white thorn white thorn makes a beautiful hedge it really is a, a very nice now it is deciduous so it will shed the leaves in winter but you have the flowers you've got the the uh, berries in the autumn which is really nice and it's easy trimmed if it's trimmed and maintained it makes a lovely hedge and very dense hedge berberus come in a whole range of different forms and there are evergreen varieties of berberus so you have a variety called ber- Berberus Darwinii, Darwin's ber- Berberus, which has got holly like leaves. They're small, holly shaped leaves, beautiful orange flowers. They're actually in flower at the moment, or they've been flowering for the last number of weeks, and they produce a black berry like a grape on the plant as well. But they, they retain the leaf, and both, I'd say the reason John wants to plant one or other is that they're full of thorns. Right. <laughs> well, they keep the kids out. They keep the dog out. They'll keep, uh, they keep they right. keep the cattle out, and so on. Both are very thorny and but make super hedges. Brilliant. Two really good plants and great for bees and pollinators as well.
0: What can I put on my vegetable plot to kill the weeds where I have sowed my vegetable seeds?
1: The best thing to put is the garden hoe. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not- the wolf garden no, there is no spray. There's no treatment. Um, all of those things, those uh, treatments are gone now. So there are products like linuron year many many years ago. You know, I, I yeah. often shudder to think some of the stuff that we were putting on our okay. our vegetable pots. But no, there's no weed killer that you can use now that will differentiate between a, a healthy vegetable plant and a. A weed. weed. So uh, get out the garden hole, get down your hands and knees. That's the only solution at the moment. Okay,
0: it's man against plant then. It is indeed, yeah. It is indeed. I want my pots to be ready for mid July, and I'm wondering what type of plants will I need to be putting into them?
1: Oh, well, mid July is a great time because all of the summer bedding is going to be in flower. So, you know, your geraniums, your Uh, begonias or lovely trailing petunias bacopa look at visit your local garden centre anything they have at the moment is going to flower like most of those plants stay in flower till end of october and they're at their best in mid-july so get potting them up and get planting them up and um, pinch pinch them back Is a little tip i I show people on the video so get the local garden centre to show you how to do that and when you're planting up your containers apart from that give them a feed and and, uh, they'll be in full bloom by july
0: now, I cut down my lilandii, but I'm left with roots and ivy. And how do I get rid of those? Well,
1: the roots aren't going to regrow again. So that's the first thing to say. It, um, the ivy, certainly you can treat that uh, if you want. Again, the Weed Free 360 will will get rid of that, apply it on a dry day. But the roots of Lalandii will not reshoot again. They'll actually rot into the ground. If you want, you can put a little bit of um, brushwood killer into the stumps, which will accelerate the um, decomposition of of the stump but they're going to rot anyway so as long as they're cut to soil level uh, just forget about them, just maybe plant to one side, plant something else and, and um, it'll cover up the old stems. Eventually they're just going to rot into the soil. Okay. So don't be worried about them re-sprouting. And the ivy certainly probably was there once before the, the ivy you know would have been growing up through the Lalandia and that certainly can be got rid of. You might be able to scuffle it out as well rather than spraying it.
0: Um, I want to set a low thin hedge, but is there any way of doing it rather than digging a trench?
1: Well, you can dig just individual holes. Um, so generally speaking, if you want a low hedge, you're, you're talking about plants like boxwood or lavender or um, something, Pittosporum, actually. There's a, there's a plant um, uh, which makes a beautiful low hedge, Pittosporum tom have At the back of my garden, I have planted about 20 of them, uh, spaced them about 18 inches apart, and they've just formed a little hedge that's no higher than about 2 feet, 18 inches at the moment. And it's a perfect ball of purple colour right through the winter and it's got these apple green leaves at this time of year it needs a light trimming once a year and that's, that's it well. it doesn't suffer any pests or diseases and it makes a lovely little neat hedge but going back to the question you don't necessarily have to dig a trench you can dig, dig separate a, yeah. individual holes for the plants and put them in so spacing them 18 inches apart
0: it doesn't have to be a huge undertaking
1: no, it backwards. doesn't. No, no, yeah. no. You don't have to make a big, big, big effort. And you see, because it's going to be low growing, it's not going to be too demanding on nutrition. And so you don't have to be putting a big load of compost or manure in or anything like you would for a traditional hedge. So individual holes, 18 inches apart. But be careful about the plant that you select. So get some good advice from your local garden centre. Maybe take a picture, bring it into them and pick something that's going to be slow growing. It might take a few years to get to the height that you want, but it'll be it easy be- peasy after that, very little trimming very little care
0: can you get hydrangeas for indoor
1: you get well what, what happens the answer is yes you can and and again if you lic- visit your local garden center they will have hydrangeas in flower at the moment i was actually in the store this morning and they're beautiful at the moment they're beautiful shades of hydrangeas which have been fooled into thinking it's summertime so they've been grown in a greenhouse or a tunnel and they're in flower at the moment and you can keep them certainly indoors and um, whilst they're in flower and then put them out later on in the summer. Now hydrangeas are outdoor plants but they're often often grown as a little indoor plant for a bit of colour. Hydro means water and there's the tip that you need to keep them really well watered, particularly when they're in flower. So if you're buying a flowering hydrangea, make sure that you water it about once a week indoors and then once it goes out of flower, you can plant it out safely in the garden.
0: Okay, and we'll quickly end on this one. My iliacneus has been par- par- partic- particularly root- uprooted are practically uprooted. I think. Will it survive? Partially, probably. Partially. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it does, it's up,
1: it's up. Right, Any up. Any
0: advice, please? I don't
1: think it's going to survive, to be honest. Iliagnus are notorious for having very poor root structures and to be honest, this year, because of the very wet winter, Iliagnus are showing a lot of yellowing in the plants and, and I think it's due to the high water table that we had over the winter. Some of the roots are, are failing on uh, Iliagnus. Most plants will be perfectly fine, but this is probably an indication where the plant has, has fallen over. And the roots have become exposed. Look, the best thing you can do is dig out the soil, uh, pin it back with a stake, or you know, put it back into situ and firm down the soil. But my guess is it's going to fail on you uh, because they're they're just they're they're a plant that you don't transplant. Um, you always plant them as potted plants rather than bare root plants because they just have a notorious poor root structure. Certain plants do. Pittosporum is another plant that that hates to be moved or disturbed, and any root disturbance tends to kill off the the roots so uh, look pin it back see what happens and Fingers crossed, fingers crossed but I wouldn't be holding out much.
0: OK we're going to have to leave it there
1: OK so do remember Edinburgh Woolmills is, is back open again in, in the Turlock Garden Centre and uh, our website is horkins.ie we'll uh, do it all again next Saturday We
0: surely will thanks indeed for it. Uh that's it from us for gardening and indeed for Saturday morning breakfast do stand by though the very best in country with Michael Neary coming your way after the news at 10 which is also on the way with John Morley from me for the moment good morning to you have a great weekend